Chapter number twelve of Post Haste. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elena May. Post Haste by R. M. Valentine. Chapter twelve. In which a bosom friend is introduced, rural felicity is enlarged on, and deep plans are laid a bosom friend is a pleasant possession miss lillycrop had one she was a strong-minded woman we do not say this to her disparagement a strong mind is as admirable in a woman as in man it is only when woman indicates the strength of her mind by unfeminine self-assertion that we shrink from her in alarm miss lillycrop's friend was a warm-hearted charitable generous hard-featured square-shouldered deep-chested large-boned lady of middle age and quick temper she was also in what is styled comfortable circumstances and dwelt in a pretty suburban cottage her name was maria stivergill come with me child said miss stivergill to miss lillycrop one day and spend a week at the rosebud it must not be supposed that the good lady had given this romantic name to her cottage no when miss stivergill bought it she found the name on the two gateposts and found that all the tradespeople in the vicinity had imbibed it and therefore quietly accepted it as she did all the ordinary affairs of life impossible dear maria said her friend with a perplexed look i have so many engagements at least so many duties that pooh interrupted miss stivergill put em off fulfil em when you come back at all events she continued seeing that miss lillycrop still hesitated come for a night or two but come now lily thus she styled her friend but give me no buts you know that you've no good reason for refusing indeed i have pleaded miss lillycrop my little servant what the infant who opened the door to me yes totty bones she's obliged to stay at nights with me just now owing to her mother poor thing being under the necessity of shutting up her house while she goes to look after a drunken husband who has forsaken her ha exclaimed miss stivergill giving a nervous pull at her left glove which produced a wide rent between the wrist and the thumb i wonder why women marry don't you think it's a, a sort of of unavoidable necessity suggested miss lillycrop with a faint smile not at all my dear not at all i have avoided it so have you if i had my way i'd put a stop to marriage altogether and bring this miserable world to an abrupt close but little bones is no difficulty we'll take her along with us but dear maria well what further objections lily totty has charge of a baby and what one baby in charge of another indeed it's too true and you know you couldn't stand a baby couldn't i said miss stivergill sharply how do you know that let me see it totty being summoned with the baby entered the room staggering with the rotund mountain of good-natured self-will entirely concealing her person with the exception of her feet and the pretty little coal-dusted arms with which she clasped it to her heaving breast ha ah, i suppose little bones is behind it said miss stivergill set the baby down child and let me see you Toddy obeyed. The baby, true to his principles, refused to stand. 
he sat down and stared at those around him in jovial defiance. "'What is your age, Mr. Bones?' "'Just in six, m'am,' replied Toddy with a curtsy, which Miss Lillycrop had taught her with great pains. "'You're sixty-six, at least, compared with male creatures of the same age,' observed her interrogator. "'Thank you,' replied Toddy with another dip. "'Have you a bonnet and shawl, little Bones?' Totty, in a state of considerable surprise, replied that she had. "'Go and put em on, then, and get that thing also ready to go out.' Miss Styrogill pointed to the baby contemptuously, as it were, with her nose. "'He's a very good baby,' so the child pronounced it. "'Only rather self-willed at times, ma'am,' said Totty, going through the athletic feat of lifting her charge. "'Just so, true to your woman's nature.' always ready to apologize for the male monster that tyrannizes over you. I suppose now you'd say your drunken father was a good man. Miss Starvergill repented of this speech instantly, on seeing the tears start into Toddy's large eyes, as she replied quickly, Indeed I would, um, only you've no notion how kind father is when he's not in liquor. There, there, of course he is. I didn't mean to say he wasn't, little Bones. It's a curious fact that many drunk... I mean, people given to drink, are kind and amiable. It's a disease. Go now and get your things on, and you do likewise, Lily. My cab is at the door. Be quick! In a few minutes, the whole party descended to the street. Miss Stivergill locked the door with her own hand and put the key in her pocket. As she turned round, Toddy's tawdry bonnet had fallen off in her efforts to raise the baby towards the outstretched hands of her mistress, while the cabmen stood looking on with amiable interest. Catching up the bonnet, Miss Stivergill placed it on the child's head, back to the front, twisted the strings round her head and face anyhow, lifted her and her charge into the cab, and followed them. "'Where to, ma'am?' said the amiable coachman. "'Charming cross, you silly!' "'Yes, ma'am,' replied the man, with a broad grin, touching his hat and bestowing a wink on a passing policeman as he mounted the box." On their way to the station, the good lady put out her head and shouted, Stop! The maligned man obeyed. Stay here, Lily, with the baby. Jump up, little bones. Come with me. She took the child's bonnet off and flung it under the cab, then grasped Toddy's hand and led her into a shop. A hat, demanded the lady of the shopwoman. What kind of hat, ma'am? Any kind, replied Miss Stivergill. Suitable for this child. Only say that it's not a doll's hat. Let it fit her. The shopwoman produced a headdress, which Toddy afterwards described as a billycock hat with a feather in it. The purchaser paid for it, thrust it firmly on the child's head, and returned to the cab. A few minutes by rail conveyed them to a charmingly country-like suburb, with neat villas dotting the landscape, and a few picturesque old red-brick cottages scattered about here and there. Such a drive to such a scene, reader, may seem very commonplace to you. But what tongue can tell or pen can describe what it was to Toddy Bones? That pretty little human flower had been born in the heart of London, in one of the dirtiest and most unsavory parts of that heart. Being the child of a dissolute man and a hard-working woman who could not afford to go out excursioning, she had never seen a green field in her life. She had never seen the Thames or the parks. There are many such unfortunates in the vast city. Of flowers, with the exception of cauliflowers, she knew nothing, 
save what little she saw of them in broken pots in the dirty windows of her poor neighborhood and on the barrows and baskets of the people who hawked them about the city there was a legend among the neighbors of archangel court that once upon a time in some remote period of antiquity a sunbeam had been in the habit of overtopping the forest of chimneys and penetrating the court below in the middle of each summer but a large brick warehouse had been erected somewhere to the southward and had effectually cut off the supply so that sunshine was known to the very juvenile population only through the reflecting power of roofs and chimney cans and gable windows in regard to scents it need scarcely be said that toddy had a considerable experience of that class which is impossible to turn sweet judge then if you can what must have been the feelings of this little town sparrow when she suddenly rushed at the rate of forty miles an hour into the heavenly influences of fields and flowers hedgerows and trees farmyards and village spires horse ponds country inns sheep cattle hay carts piggery and poultry her eyes always large and liquid became great crystal globes of astonishment as forgetful of herself and almost a baby she sat with parted lips and heaving breast gazing in rapt ecstasy from the carriage window miss stivergill and miss lillycrop being sympathetic souls gazed with almost equal interest on the child's animated face she only wants wings and washing to make her an angel whispered the former to the latter but if the sights she saw on the journey inflated toddy's soul with joy the glories of rosebud cottage almost exploded her it was a marvellous cottage rose bushes surrounded it ivy smothered it leaving just enough rooms for the windows to peep out and a few of the old red bricks to show in harmony with the green creepers in a great variety embraced it and a picturesque clump of trees on a knoll behind sheltered it from the east wind there was a farmyard which did not belong to itself but was so close that a stranger could scarcely have told whether it formed part of the rosebud domain or that of the neighboring cottage the day too was exceptionally fine it was one of those still calm sunny cloudless days which induce healthy people sometimes to wish that earth might be their permanent home oh bobby exclaimed toddy bones when having clambered to the top of the knoll she sat down on a tree root and gazed on the cottage and the farmyard where hens were scratching in the interest of active chickens and cows were standing in blank felicity and pigs were reveling in dirt and sunshine oh bobby it's ever upon earth ain't it darling the darling evidently agreed with her for once for lying on his back in the long grass he seized two handfuls of wildflowers kicked up his fat legs and laughed aloud that's right darling ain't it fun and such flowers too oh all for nothing you've only got to pull em yes roll away darling you can't dirty yourself here come i shall have a roll too with which remark toddy plunged into the grass seized baby and tumbled him and herself about to such an extent that the billycot hat was much deteriorated and the feather damaged beyond recovery inside the rosebud the other two members of the party were also enjoying themselves though not exactly in like manner they reveled in tea and in the feast of reason where when and why did you find that child asked miss stivergill 
her friend related what she knew of Toddy's history. Strange, remarked Miss Stivergill, but beyond that remark she gave no indication of the state of her mind. It is indeed strange, returned her friend, but it is just another instance of the power of God's word to rescue and preserve souls, even in the most unfavorable circumstances. Totty's mother is a Christian, and all the energies of her vigorous nature are concentrated on two points, the training of her child in the fear of God, and the saving of her husband from drink. She is a woman of strong faith, and is quite convinced that her prayers will be answered, because, she says, he who has promised is faithful, but I fear much that she will not live to see it. Why so? demanded the other sharply. Because she has a bad affection of the lungs. If she were under more favorable circumstances, she might recover. Pooh, nonsense. People constantly recover from what is called bad affection of the lungs. Can nothing be done for her? Nothing, replied Miss Lillycrop. She will not leave her husband or her home. If she dies... Well, what then? Little Toddy must be rescued, you know, and I have set my heart on doing it. You'll do nothing of the sort, said Miss Stavrigill firmly. Miss Lillycrop looked surprised. No, you shan't rescue her, continued the good lady, with still firmer emphasis. You've got old London at your feet, and there's plenty more where that one came from. But, Lily, you mustn't be greedy. You may have the baby, if you like, but you must leave little bones to me. Miss Lillycrop was making a feeble resistance to this proposal, when the subject of dispute suddenly appeared at the door with glaring eyes and a horrified expression of face. Baby was in her arms as usual, and both he and his nurse were drenched, besides being covered from head to foot with mud. It needed little explanation to tell that in crossing a ditch on a single plank, Toddy had stumbled and gone headlong into the water with Baby in her arms. Fortunately, neither was hurt, though both had been terribly frightened. Miss Stivergill was equal to the occasion. Ordering two tubs, half full of warm water, into the back kitchen, she stripped the unfortunates and put them therein, to the intense joy of Baby, whose delight in a warm bath was only equaled by his pleasure in doing mischief. At first, Miss Savergill thought of burning the children's garments, and fitting them out afresh, but on the suggestion of her friend that their appearing at home with new clothes might create suspicion, and cause unpleasant inquiries, she refrained. When thoroughly cleaned, Toddy and Baby were wrapped up in shawls and set down to a hearty tea in the parlor. While this was being devoured, the two friends conversed of many things. Among others, Miss Stivergill touched on the subject of her progenitors, and made some confidential references to her mother, which her friend received with becoming sympathy. "'Yes, my dear,' said Miss Stivergill, in a tone of unwanted tenderness. I don't mind telling you all about her, for you're a good soul, with a feeling heart. Her loss was a terrible one to me, though it was a great gain to her. Before her death we were separated for a time, only a short time, but it proved to be a blessed separation, for the letters she wrote me sparkled with love and wit and playfulness, as though they had been set with pearls and rubies and diamonds. I shall show you my treasures before going to bed. I keep them on that box on the sideboard, to be always handy. It is not large, but its contents are more precious to me than thousands of gold and silver. She paused, 
then observing that toddy was staring at her she advised her to make the most of her opportunity and eat as much as possible if you please em i can't eat any more said toddy can't eat any more child try urged the hospitable lady toddy heaved a great sigh and said she couldn't eat another morsel if she was to try ever so much as baby appeared to be in the same happy condition and could with difficulty keep his eyes open both children were sent to bed under the care of a maid and miss stivergill taking down her treasure-box proceeded to read part of its contents to her bosom friend little did good miss stivergill imagine that she had dug a mine that night under rosebud cottage and the match that was destined to light it was none other than her innocent protege little bones throwing herself into the receptive arms of her mother two days after the events just described toddy poured the delight and amazement of her supercharged spirit into sympathetic ears unfortunately her glowing descriptions also reached unsympathetic ears mrs bones had happily recovered her husband and brought him home where he lay in his familiar corner resting from his labors of iniquity the unsympathetic ears belonged to mr abel bones when toddy however in her discourse of wandering began to talk of pearls and rubies and diamonds and treasures worth thousands of gold and silver in a box on the sideboard the ears suddenly became sympathetic and mr bones raised himself on one elbow hush darling said mrs bones glancing uneasily at the dark corner mr bones knew well that if his wife should caution toddy not to tell him anything about rosebud cottage he would be unable to get a word out of her he therefore rose suddenly staggered towards the child and seized her hand come tot you and i shall go out for a walk oh abel don't dear abel but dear abel was gone and his wife clasping her hands looked helplessly and hopelessly around the room then a gleam of light seemed to come into her eyes she looked up and went down on her knees meanwhile abel went into a public-house and calling for a pint of beer bade his child drink but toddy declined he swore an oath that he'd compel her to drink but suddenly changed his mind and drank it himself now tot tell your father all about your visit to miss starvergill she's very rich eh oh awfully replied toddy who felt an irresistible drawing to her father when he condescended to speak to her in kindly tones keeps a carriage eh no nor ass nor even a pony returned the child and no manservant about the house no not as i seed not even gardener now no only women two of em and very nice they was too one fat and short the other tall and thin i like the fat one best ha blessings on em both said mr bones with a bland smile come now tot tell me all about the cottage inside first the rooms and winders and specially the box of treasure then we'll come to the garden and so we'll get out by degrees to the fields and flowers go ahead tot it need scarcely be said that abel bones soon possessed himself of all the information he required after which he sent toddy home to her mother and went on his way end of chapter twelve